Welcome to the Texture Talks podcast, a monthly conversation talking about the real life experiences faced by the Afro, curly and textured head community. You will be getting dry humor, candid opinions, and some really vulnerable testimonies, sometimes from me and sometimes from special guests that I invite to give their perspectives. Expect the unexpected. I'm your host, Paige Lewin, a major hair enthusiast and active student of my own Afro hair. And I'll be honest, I'm here to learn something new right alongside you. Don't forget, follow our Twitter page at Texture Talks and our Instagram page at Texture Talks UK to be part of the conversation. And if you have any ideas on topics or guests for episodes, please let me know. Just go over to texturetalks.co.uk and submit your ideas. This podcast will be built by us for us. And I cannot wait to hear your ideas. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Hello, welcome. So this is my very first episode of Texture Talks. And to be fair, I am both grossly excited and painfully apprehensive. <laughs> but we are here, so we're just gonna we're gonna ride this wave and we're gonna see where it takes us. Honestly, I've been putting off doing a podcast for a while now. I've just been put off the idea. I always thought if I did end up doing a podcast, I would want to create something with content that really mattered, not just ramble on for 30 minutes with nothing really to say. So I waited until I did have something to say. And I think the timing for that is now. I will tell you why. Men and women like me with Afro, curly textured hair, as far as I'm aware, are still spending hours of our time searching for resources. And trust me, as a black woman with a real flair for switching up her hair every two minutes, I know firsthand the time it takes to scour through endless videos on YouTube and actually Instagram and TikTok. And to be fair, even Reddit, it's getting that desperate. <laughs> I am out here on threads. I am deep in forums, kids, looking for that one piece of advice that's just going to have me looking like Rapunzel or help me achieve that platinum white pixie. Or back in the day, when I actually still wore them, lay that lace down. So I looked like I was wearing a lace front wig that a model would wear. You know, have someone walking down the street and looking at me like I'm Naomi Campbell. That was really... The only reason I think we spend so long searching the internet. Knowledge sharing is huge for us as a culture. We want to feel connected and less alone and just find community wherever we can. And it's a really beautiful thing and one I don't think is ever going to change. No matter how many brands launch, how many products that are just for us or tailored for coils or Afro-focused, trying to tell us what's right and wrong with our own hair, right? What's beautiful and what hair is actually difficult or nappy? Or would I 
cannot stand. <laughs> like, who says my head is nappy? What, you? Like, who are you? Mind your business. Like, this isn't nappy hair. This is just an afro, sir. Thank you. I just think we will always want to hear from one another over anyone else because we all get it. We understand each other's highs and lows and we live one another's struggles every single day. So if Texture Talks can pull our community together and throw out some education and some tips or even just feed one person some peace of mind that you are not alone, then this little project of mine will have been a success. So we should probably just get to it, shouldn't we? Today on Texture Talks, we have a very special guest. She is an incredibly opinionated black woman, Jamaican heritage, but British born, who is currently on a natural hair care journey herself that she hopes (laughs) will end in 24 inch Bob Marley-esque dreadlocks. And someone I personally thought would be the perfect person to kickstart this season of Texture Talks. And as some of you may have already gathered, that person is me. (laughs) So, today's topic. It's one I genuinely have had so many emotional responses to over the years. And it's something that even up until last year with my big 30-year-old self, has caused me huge amounts of distress. And that, my friends, is going to the salon. (laughs) And it's actually really sad because it should be an amazing experience every time. We all get very excited about that appointment. Let's speak the truth. (laughs) Firstly, because of the suspense from usually having to book in about two years in advance because mainstream hairdressers are still not particularly barred about catering to textured hair. I will circle back, don't worry. Secondly, because I truly believe that we feel it's the only time someone who actually knows what they're doing, i.e. not us, has their hands in our scalp. So the hope is that even if only for 24 hours in the month, or sometimes in the year. These appointments ain't cheap. We can finally have our hair looking how we wished it looked every damn day. So once we've got it in the calendar, we are counting down those days. One by one, it is a whole event. And sometimes, I will be honest, I even go out of my way to choose an outfit beforehand just to match the general vibe of whatever look that I'm going for. Like, yes, it's that deep. Whether I like it or not, my hair has become a huge part of who I am as a person. How my hair looks that day, that week, that month will likely determine my social calendar. (laughs) Who I see, where I go, and just how I feel about myself generally. And don't play with me because I know I'm not the only one, okay? So to let someone who oftentimes is a complete stranger care for one of the most personal parts of my anatomy. Oh my God, it is a spiritual experience. And it can leave me feeling either like Beyonce, and I mean at Coachella, I'm talking on stage, wind blowing, crowd screaming, or a broke down homeless mess. 
quietly depressed, shedding tears. I have cried for much less. So I actually think it's probably, and this might be an unpopular opinion, one of the most intimate experiences that you can have with another human outside of sex. Yes, you heard me. I said what I said because it's what I believe, especially for those of us with any kind of kink, coil or curl in our wave pattern because maintaining growth, health and length, it's just not easy. So any mistakes made are life-changing. <laughs> Trauma is not even the word. So taking all of that into consideration, can someone please tell me why it is that I must say maybe eight out of 10 trips to the hairdressers that I have taken over the course of my life have left me with some form of PTSD that I am still trying to recover from. Why? And let me be very clear, this is not just me sat here cussing out quote-unquote white hairdressers. No, no, I'm cussing everyone out. I have been done dirty by every race, colour, creed in a salon, and it is not a safe place for me. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what, let me give you a prime example, actually, of my very first hair appointment, and then maybe it will give you some light clarity to my aggression. <laughs> Let's travel back in time. Okay, I'm 14. And for anybody that has Afro hair, I'd say mostly women will understand this. Maybe a few progressive young men who maybe grew up listening to Outcast or watching Cat Williams may get it. Do you remember the plight of begging for a relaxer? Begging. I am talking like every day. I can't pinpoint exactly when this happens. But there is a point in a little black girl's life. Actually, no, 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 not just in a little black girl's life. Thinking back now to some of my friends that weren't black, that had very thick, curly hair, that it happens across the board. It's about hair, not skin. And there's a moment where we start noticing all of our friends that have silky, smooth, straight, and usually ridiculously long hair. And like after a while of seeing other girls playing with it, you know, really raises that popularity bracket and teachers are just complimenting it. And even the little boys, they're fancying them because of it, whilst you and your pepper grains can't get a look in. Slowly, you believe that that is beauty, that that's what beautiful is. And especially growing up here in England, where that type of European hair is just kind of the standard. And then... <laughs> This aspiration for straight hair, it consumes your life. Like your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams rest on you getting that silky smooth press. And until you get that straight hair, food will not taste the same. Colours will not be as bright. You start getting leery when you get your head braided. Because, yeah, I used to love it, mum, but now I've evolved. Like it feels beneath me. It's not what I want. (laughs) And at that point, as a child... It becomes your life's work to torment your parent into submission. And, of course, your mother or your father, your grandmother, your auntie, whoever's in charge, they say no. They say no every time. And it's infuriating because you can't understand why. Sure, I get it now. I don't honestly know why anybody would actively want to take their beautiful baby's natural curls and slap a load of chemicals on their barely matured scalp. I just think there's no rush. 
it can be actually very damaging. And I think it's quite a mature style for a young girl. Now I'm older and look back, and it's really odd. I don't know if that's a ridiculous thing to say, but it does to me. It feels really womanly. There's something so very cute and jovial and innocent about a young girl wearing her natural wave pattern. But at the time, you just think they're being a tyrant. <laughs> Truly, like, why are you blocking my blessings, mum? Why do you not want me to be great? And you ride them every day until that fateful day when they turn around and they have had enough of your shit <laughs> and they say, fine, fine. You want to go ahead and straighten your headpiece? Do it. But when you're bold headed at 19 and you don't know what to do, don't text me. It's got nothing to do with me. Now, good thing is my mother, very savvy lady, very smart. She thought this through and she was like, right, okay, I'm going to find a loophole in this. The child wants straight hair, but Lord, she's foolish. She doesn't know what she's asking for. She doesn't understand the full ramifications of the maintenance that will be required for the rest of her life from chemically straightening her head the one time. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a texturizer, okay? We're not going straight to a relaxer. We're going to ease you in. Now, the funny thing is that I personally only really learned the difference between a texturizer and a relaxer a few years ago. I always used to think they were pretty much the same. I was actually rereading some articles on this the other day because this is one of those topics that I honestly don't think our community has enough clarity on. Like it feels very much like a grey area, especially when I talk to the much older Afro generation. I don't know that they know. <laughs> so let us be clear. Both are chemical-based options to straighten your hair. Yes. Where a relaxer, though, <laughs> the relaxer breaks down the natural structure of your hair at the root, leaving you with bone-straight hair, okay? Texturizer is supposed to be a little lighter, so it softens, it loosens the curl, reduces the curl pattern. It's a lot of mitigation there. <laughs> it's just not as severe. Now, don't get it twisted. Both are changing the molecular framework of your headpiece. And they're serious decisions to make. Either way, especially for a child. But for sure, if done correctly, the texturizer is technically a less aggressive option for tender-headed, baby-haired afros like mine at 14. So I get my mum's decision. And I love her for it because I was starting to become a little demonic waiting for that. Yes. <laughs> I get my straight hair. She gets to avoid the guilt of stripping my afro down to its bare minerals before I've even grown breasts. So it was a sound plan. It should have been a win-win. It was not. <laughs> it was not a win-win. So this is when me and mum lived in Nottingham. That was where I had my appointment. And for anyone who lives in Notts or has visited has family there. It was one of the many black hairdressers on Alfreton Road. I think it was at the top. I don't even know if it's still there anymore. Probably not. And just to give you some context, for those of you who have never been to Nottingham and don't know what Alfreton Road is, Alfreton Road is that particular street that we will all have in our respective cities that is just lined with products and services for every ethnicity other than white. No shade. And when I say white, I don't even mean white, white. There's things for Polish people there. There's people that are Ukrainian there. 
I'm just saying British. There we go. British. You can go there and within five minutes, you can find a place to get your hair done. You get your nails done. You can send money internationally. Pick up raw meat. Buy a head wrap. (laughs) I know you know what I'm talking about. I got my hair done on one of those roads. I don't even know if that was a good or a bad thing, truly. Now, I went with my cousins to get this hair treatment. It was over summer. It was hot. Vibes are flowing. Like, they were staying with us for the whole summer. And they were all older girls. And I think my mum must have thought, she'll be safe. She'll be safe. Because they're there. Surely nothing's going to go wrong. She's with her older cousins. She's got a small squad of her own family. Everything should be fine. Sure, sure. (laughs) So we're all very excited. It was almost like coming into womanhood. It really is. Getting your hair pressed or straightened from its natural curly state, it is like a black bar mitzvah for young girls and it happens around the same age. It's a big deal. Listen, I've seen big women cry because their daughter's afro had been pressed or straightened for the first time. It is emotional for everyone. And you actually get bragging rights in your family if you were the lucky one whose cool mum let you get your hair straightened first. It's a whole thing. Walking around with your sleek, straight, probably shedding hair. (laughs) And you're catching joke whilst your cousins or your sisters are sat with their cornrows or their afro puffs and they're livid. They're furious. (laughs) So we all go down there. Nice morning appointment. Because this shit can take a very long time. I'm talking like between three to five hours, especially when it comes to chemically straightening virgin hair, which of course I had. And for those who don't know the term, it's just hair that has been untouched, fresh from the scalp. No colour, no dye, no chemicals, no nothing. Just beautiful, natural, thick hair that you are about to strip down. (laughs) So I'm in there. I've taken my chair. I am drowning in excitement. I can literally remember the glee that I felt as they whipped out that old school black cover that makes you look like a little kettle. (laughs) And my cousins, they were sat at the front just cackling and talking amongst themselves and truly paying me minimal mind. Now, hours are going by and of course, I don't know what's going on because... (laughs) This is my first appointment. I'm not going to sit there and be like, mm, can I just double check what that creep? Like, no, absolutely not. I haven't got a clue what's happening. I'm just happy to be there. And the hairdresser was given a directive. <laughs> my assumption is that they're following that directive. Like, I'm not going to have any kind of knowledge to know any better at 14. And my cousins, as I said, were cackling very loudly right at the front of the salon, minding theirs, everyone else's, but my business. So I was slightly lacking in the support department. (laughs) And honestly, I was just sat there picturing how cute I was going to look at school on Monday and was really and truly not thinking about anything else. I was just letting everything happen as I believed it was supposed to be happening. (laughs) It was only until I arrived home that I realised that someone did not understand the assignment because my mother did not look happy and I was so confused. She's staring at my scalp, straight-faced. I then immediately start to panic, almost internally taking responsibility for whatever the issue was, as I do even to this day. It didn't make sense that anything would be my fault. But in that moment, 
looking at my mother's face. I'm like, I have for sure screwed up somehow. Clearly, if something ain't right, this is not the cross for a 14-year-old child to bear. Yet there I am wondering first, what the hell is going on? And why was I not greeted by adoring compliments and a small cohort of frenzied paparazzi that mum hired just to hype me up as I stepped into the living room looking like a Greek goddess? I don't understand. And even my cousins felt my mum's stare at their core because they became hella quiet, like for the first time all day. You know when (laughs) your group is terrified of getting reprimanded so everyone stays perfectly still as if they'll disappear and avoid a beating (laughs) if they're still enough (laughs) that happened it was hilarious the fear (laughs) because they knew they were not involved in this appointment they were up at the front being cantankerous and living their lives (laughs) so what was totally a blank stare That now bleeds into horror and it moves swiftly into anger as my mum's now prodding around in my hair like she's looking for the word of God. And I am still trying to understand and really calculate what is going on. I can't work it out. In the same way, if as a child you fall over and you look to your mother or your father to let you know if you're okay, that you don't know, you follow their lead. Like, look, I just fell off the sofa. Am I good? And if they smile, I'm sound. I'm going to go up. I'm going to try again. But if they come to you with fear in their eyes and arms open wide, it's likely something's not quite right here. Then the tears begin to roll because you're like, shit, see, I knew something was wrong. That is exactly how I felt. Turns out she realised pretty much immediately as I stepped foot on the property that it was not a texturizer at all. It was, in fact, a relaxer. <laughs> oh, it was a relaxer. The hairdresser had got ahead and slathered a full chemical relaxer across the width and breadth of my little scalp. And I don't know whether it was the unnatural sheen <laughs> across my head or the fact that my hair was blowing just a little too freely in the wind that gave it away. But she knew something was sus and her fears were quickly confirmed once we'd all had time to really dig around in there. (laughs) And the killer is, yes, texturizers and relaxers are similar. But I'd have had some kind of wave if I had had what I was supposed to have had. This was beyond straight and very thin. You can't go back. That is a life choice that that black hairdresser made for me and Patricia that day. We had no say. And to be fair, if that was me and that was my child, I'm in mum's position and I specifically tried to avoid giving my child a full relaxer to try and save some of her beautiful natural texture. And some stylist juggling 12 clients and 20 fag breaks made the choice for me. What, simply because she was hard of hearing? I would have gone down to that salon and I would have set the whole place alight. (laughs) They are very lucky that my mum is a much calmer God-fearing woman. If it was me, it had been different. I'd have been on the news. But of course, she called them, you know, fairly, just to try and understand what the hell happened (laughs) and question what they thought they were doing, giving a 14-year-old a relaxer against her mother's wishes. But, you know, the damage is done. (laughs) I had that relaxer until I was about... 
18, no, like 26, 27. And let me tell you, that shit did actually break off most of my hair in the end. It's crazy. Even when I tried to wear wigs and weaves as a protective style, it was still a serious decision. And one that's even worse because I did not make it and my mother did not make it. It just makes it all the more painful. And just to clarify, I lost all my edges. <laughs> my hairline pretty much started close to the centre of my scalp for many years. All because of this one experience that could have easily been avoided with a little communication and a bit more care and attention paid. This incident was also not isolated and a prime example of hairdressers packing out their diaries with way too many clients in one day. And it's chaos. <laughs> that is how mistakes are made. Spending an hour with your head flung back in the sink soaking wet because your hairdresser has four other clients booked in at the same time. I can't stand the mentality. Our hair is too important to have people with such blasé attitudes when really they're supposed to be nurturing every strand like they're handling new life. <laughs> and especially in this scenario where there's literally no way to escape the clutches of a relaxer unless you are prepared to cut it out and start again from scratch. Today's world Young women are so much more free and liberal with their style and confidence to try new looks. But this was 2K7, hun. No, not then. It was different times. <laughs> there would have been no way I would have allowed anybody to take scissors to my hair to make an edgy pixie to grow it out. Absolutely not. Are you mad? That relaxer was going to have to stay there until I was grown. <laughs> and the frustrating thing, that's a decision that me or mum should have made. Now, as I said... That was an awful experience for me. And that happened at my culture's own hand, unfortunately. But I have to say, the actual worst experiences I've had have been in white mainstream salons. And this gets to me so much because growing up in England as a young black woman, for me, up until the point where I had to experience these salons, hadn't actually been hugely stressful, I'll be honest. It hadn't. I had been privy to racism and discrimination and even felt it myself in certain situations, of course, whether at school or on the street or even with some of my friends. You know, there's those one-off-the-cuff comments from maybe a mum of a friend where you go around for dinner, you go home, and later on you think, oh, I'm not sure she should have said that, really. <laughs> and then you get that clarification from your family, like, yeah, that was inappropriate. Or you get those really uncomfortable comments and questions from people that kind of make you feel like some kind of exotic creature in a zoo, which often I found is just down to lack of education. We've all been there. More than anything, it just felt like top-line ignorance. And it wasn't right, but it was manageable for me. The experiences I'd had going into a local cuts, however, and yes, I'm a name names, or a Tonian guy, were weirdly way more intense than most of what I'd experienced before. And it left me feeling more like an outsider because of the colour of my skin and the texture of my hair than you would ever think that you would feel in what technically is a pretty relaxed environment. It's a salon. 
I shouldn't be leaving the hairdressers having an internal dialogue with myself about the state of diversity in Britain. But that was what was happening. And I wasn't even getting my hair done. (laughs) I didn't even get that far. Because as soon as I walked in, it almost felt like something from a film. Everybody turned. They looked. Some whispered. Everything's quiet. Some stylists laughed. That has happened. I've even had situations where I've seen a few walk off the floor into the back. And I'm saying not once, but maybe twice that this has happened. Probably to catch joke at the foolish black girl who thought she was about to get her hair done. (laughs) As if anybody on the premises was going to come anywhere near it. Nobody wanted to come to the front desk to deal with me. I have spent 20, 30 minutes waiting to be seen because they didn't want to have to deal with the hair on my head. Even if they genuinely had the ability to, they were not interested. And most times they just didn't. They didn't have the ability or the skill set, which was and still is a huge problem, by the way. Many hairdressers in these incredibly profitable and world-renowned salon chains would have never been trained to treat afro or textured or even curly and wavier hair types that would have been seen to be easier by many people's standards to cut and treat than the type 4 kinky hair that I had. But none of us could or often still can today get a look in. It's awful. And the way that it makes you feel is if you're some kind of mutant that should be shunned, as if my hair is any less manageable or beautiful than my European counterparts, it is disgusting. And it drives so much negative self-talk without you even realising. Every time you are told, no, we don't deal with your hair types here. We have no stylists who are able to handle your Afro hair. We don't deal with that kind of curl. The terminology was just negative. Handle, manage, deal. The body language was cold, almost irritated that you'd be brazen enough to come in and ask, disrupting their day. And you're internalising that. You're taking all of those responses into your soul every single time. And then eventually you kind of take it as gospel because that's the experience that you're constantly getting every single time you walk through the door of a mainstream salon. Many times... (laughs) I have been so uncomfortable. I'm stood there suffering immediate regret. I want to leave. And I'm thinking, can I pretend to get a phone call with a fake emergency (laughs) so I can just go? Would that be too transparent that it's a ruse? (laughs) Is it a stupid thing to even think to do? Should I even have to do that? Do I stand my ground and force these people to see me? And then what cause a scene? Be the angry black woman that everyone's quietly waiting for me to become? My anxiety was off the charts. And from going in a salon in the place I was born, this is my home country. And these people made me feel like I did not belong every single time. Actually makes me feel a bit emotional, I can't lie. Mentally, it's taking me back there. And my self-love and my self-confidence as a 30-year-old grown woman from then to now is day and night. 
But Paige then, she felt it and it really impacted her big time. And the problem, I think, is that I was quite a proactive young woman growing up. I was pretty confident. I liked to be spontaneous, try new things, go to new places. Nothing in my head was off limits to me. And my mum instilled that to me at a very young age. I go anywhere. I do anything I want. My skin was not a barrier growing up. It was a strength that I needed to understand. Yeah, it would make some people feel a kind of way. So I was aware of the world that we lived in and I was prepared, but I wasn't afraid of it by any means, especially when it came to my hair. I was super liberal. I had colors and wigs and weaves and I would literally do whatever I wanted, usually myself learning what I could from YouTube or family and friends, as I think a lot of our community did and still does. And I had quite a lovely supportive group of friends, predominantly white. As I said, I grew up in Nottingham, most of which accepted me exactly as I was, wholeheartedly, which almost set me up for failure in these situations where I then forget I am not accepted everywhere. And I won't be treated like... Chloe or Sarah or Isabel in every establishment I set foot in. I even remember, oh, this woman made me so mad. One time trying so hard to explain the concept of a relaxer and what relaxed hair is to a hairdresser as she stood in front of me, clearly seeing my straight wispy hair with her own two eyes, whilst I almost begged her to just consider cutting it just to cut it. That was it. That was all I wanted. This was 2019. Again, I think it was Tony and Guy because there are so many different Tony and Guys sprinkled around very white areas. And at this point I was in Bristol and there were quite a few that were littered around. And unfortunately, when it came to the salons in Bristol, there were some really, really good black salons, but because they were few and far between, it was very difficult to get an appointment. So sometimes you were just forced to just try your best to go to one of the many salons you walk past every day. And as a black woman with relaxed hair, I thought I'd be okay. And I wanted the big chop. So my hair at this point is honestly so, so straight. This is years of having that same crusty relaxer that was thrust upon me at 14. And I'm 26 and I've had enough at this point. So even though I'd had so many negative pushbacks and excuses from these same salons in the past where I'd gone and asked for a treatment or a blow dry or even just a style for an event that would have literally just needed somebody with half a brain cell to do a simple straighten with some decent GHDs. But I just thought, this has to be different. I just want it cut. Like surely with my hair the straightest it could be, that doesn't require any chemical treatments or specialized skill set, they have to say yes. Like this isn't a cut on my afro. This is just to me, like it would be cutting type one or type two European very straight hair. And of course I know it has a different feel, a different weight, But I did my research and especially when wet, I assumed on this one occasion, (laughs) I would be fine. I got turned away same way. They said no. (laughs) 
<laughs> Having to take that time whilst all of these women are sat getting their hair done under the hairdryer, getting their layers cut, whilst muggins over here is stood up at the front of the shop pleading with the hairstylist like an idiot with everybody watching this silly black girl that seems to be lost in amusement. It's humiliating. It's so unfair. I had to drag my ass all the way to London to get that haircut. With hotels, travel, food, including the money for the appointment itself, I probably spent about £400, if not more, just to get my hair cut. Does that even sound right? In the 21st century, does that even sound remotely okay? Now, the positive thing is that there are movements in full effect across governing bodies and associations and salons, and even from individuals who want to help drive change to eradicate this kind of discrimination. The National Occupational Standards for Hairdressing was reviewed in 2021, and they enforced a ruling that Afro and textured hair needed to be included into one cutting and styling practice standard for all hair types, which basically just meant that from about July of 2021, all UK hairdressers were told, you need to be trained in cutting and styling Afro textured hair. I'm sorry, hun, you got no choice. And theoretically, it is an incredible step forward. But it's 2023. And there are still numerous places where I could go tomorrow with my little afro that would be maybe a little less bold with their discrimination. But I bet would still feel a way to confidently book me into their books. And if there's white stylists that are forced to learn how to tend to my thick, curly afro, I think the real question is, would I really want them reluctantly putting their hands on my scalp for fear of breaking law? (laughs) Probably not, no. Honestly, no, no, I wouldn't. And that is a whole other issue in itself. (laughs) You know, it would be amazing to get someone from one of these movements, because there are several, just groups and individuals working so hard to normalise the treatment of textured hair in every salon globally and nationwide. So if I could get somebody who's been pushing for this to come on an episode and talk about the progressions that are being made and how far we've still got to go, that would be awesome. Leave it with me. I'm going to see what I can do. (laughs) Get a little debate going. It's something I'm very passionate about, clearly, because, listen to me, If I get to the point where I have a 14-year-old child and she has to go through even one experience where she feels any less beautiful or any less important because of what the natural hair growing from her scalp, then we have all failed. (laughs) It should not have happened then and it needs to not be happening in the future. Let me know. If you've experienced any of the issues that I've talked about today on Texture Talks for our very first episode, then I would like to hear it. Seriously, there's something very cathartic and therapeutic about sharing with a community that understands. That, for me, personally, alleviates just some of the trauma and makes the memory a little less painful. So make sure, if you enjoyed 
our first episode of Texture Talks as much as I clearly did, <laughs> then you like, you subscribe, because there is so much more to come. <laughs> I'm about to do a post-mortem on my life and you get front row seats. I can't wait. Also, don't forget to go over to our Twitter page, Texture Talks. And then we can engage with one another and we can share experiences. We can comment about mine. I am an open book. Let's keep this dialogue going, shall we? This was your host, Paige Lewin. And join me next time where I will actually have a special guest. (laughs) I've got it lined up, ready to go. Took some convincing, but I've managed to secure the one, the only MVP, Patricia. My mother. (laughs) She's going to join me as a guest. Just in time for Mother's Day. I can't wait. We will be talking about everything. And when I say talking, I mean cackling. (laughs) From the experience that I recanted today, from mum's perspective, (laughs) which should be hilarious, to some of her own experiences with her hair, growing up in the 60s in Jamaica versus living here as a young woman in the 80s and 90s, We will talk about the styles that I will likely quietly shade, but she probably loved, and get some insights into my own hair care journey as a child growing up. As a mum looking in, I bet she's got things to say that I have never even considered. In the meantime, oil your scalps. Please tighten your bonnets and protect your edges. (laughs) And I will speak to you soon. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the Texture Talks podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, then please support the movement. (laughs) Like, subscribe. And if you do have a few minutes to leave a rating or a review, that would be amazing. And of course, share on socials and with any friends or family or fellow members of the Afro and Curly community that you really do think would enjoy it too. And don't forget, submit your ideas for our upcoming episodes. Go over to texturetalks.co.uk and make sure your voices are heard just as much as mine. Thanks, guys.